This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. People got to notice there's spots in our team to be had. At some point here, somebody's going to have to jump up and grab it. You know, you've seen signs in these first two games of some potential and then, and then nothing. So some spots open here. So let's see if some of these guys, how bad they want it. I'm panicking. 0-2, 0-2, it's preseason. No, I'm joking, folks. I'm joking. I, I got to be honest. It is power lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linnelli with you along with Dave Mishkin and, and Steve Ersink. And by the way, it was great, Dave. And I, I'm not – I don't like to use the word great often because I think sometimes we water that, that word down a little bit. You know, everything's great. Boy, he did a great job. He's great at this. He's great at that. <laughs> but I tell you what. It was nice to be in the same booth finally with you and Phil again and Steve. You know, it was kind of our own little little broadcast team for the last, what, year or so. It's been helter-skelter a little bit with the pandemic. Everybody's had to adjust. But, you know, it was great seeing Phil last night. Yeah. You know, and I, I know we offered, and you did a, a great job offering condolences. He lost his brother. And... um that's always a difficult thing, and I'm I'm sure Phil Phil appreciated the the sentiment, but it was it was just good to physically see you guys in the booth, and you know as the season progresses, you know we can chat in between breaks, which I always enjoy the most, and um, have that camaraderie a little bit. So that was that was nice. I don't know how you you felt, but I yeah, that might have been that might have been the highlight of the night last night. <laughs> because what That's happened a good on point the ice, you. there's very little good point to mine there that was positive. Well, and I was going to say, listen, every sport I've covered in my adult life, I have never really paid attention to preseason results. And look, there are a number of examples of teams that have not won any preseason games or have done very poorly, you know, Baseball and basketball have more preseason games than, you know, hockey in the NFL. But I, I just I never paid attention to it, Dave, because I, I think you have to separate preseason, regular season, and even postseason. And I also think you have to understand not every team is built the same in terms of what they're trying to accomplish for that specific year. So every team will come in and say our goal is to win the Stanley Cup. But Dave, you and I know. Uh, eliminate half the teams probably even in a cap era where there's a lot of parity do they have a legitimate shot of winning the stanley cup probably not now they have to come out and say it because that's the goal it's it's a clean slate for everybody you're working towards that goal for a team like the tampa bay lightning who we've discussed really since last year when they won the second of uh back-to-back cups there the Lightning are, are just built differently than a lot of teams. And while you want to win games in the preseason, for me, it's more about the process because I'm not going to judge the Lightning through seven preseason games. I'm probably not going to judge the Lightning too harshly or too favorably through the first 20 or 30 regular season games. We have had this discussion before when the Lightning haven't played particularly well towards the end of the regular season you had to almost take a step back and say, guys, let's, I, I think there's another switch this team can turn on. Let's wait till they get to the playoffs and see what they're made of. And really the last two years, they've, they've done very well, obviously. But I, I do think there is a, a point where it's fair to maybe look at their play and say, you know what, last, light, last night was a dud. And in particular, yeah, that wasn't a very good sign that some of these younger players maybe took a step back in their race to make the team while at the same time acknowledging I, I don't know if I can draw any hard conclusions in terms of how this team is going to play to start the regular season either and I think that that there's a fine line between the two and I think that's something that we're going to navigate at least for the next hour when it comes to their play some of the younger players and is there really something to be concerned about when it comes to starting preseason 0-2 so in the course of a game, there are a lot of reasons why the ice might get tilted. And some of it is just kind of the talent and experience level 
in the preseason, but I think that this is also true sometimes in, in a regular season or, or playoff game too, like how a team is playing sometimes is, is tied to who is on the ice, right? Like Nikita Kucherov Correct. can do certain things that a lot of other players cannot. Same with Braden Point. Andre Vasilevsky is regarded as the best goalie in the league for a reason, right? So like that is not nothing. But as we've often talked about, it's also about like how you are playing as a team, how are you executing, and then the intangible part of, and I hate to use the word effort, but the word that was bandied about both on our broadcast, we used it last night, and then I heard afterward was urgency. Are you playing on your toes? Are you hungry? Are you consistently winning one-on-one battles? That's not to say like if you're losing those, that just means that you're not even trying. You're not you're not working hard. But the other team is is working at a higher level. And I think what we saw last night was a combination of all those things. Nashville had some really high end players playing in the game. And I mean you could say, look, Stamkos and McDonough and Chernak and and Kalorn and Sorelli before he got hurt, like those are regulars for the Lightning. But they were not at the level that Johansson, Duchesne, and Forsberg were at last night. So you had some supremely talented players on the Nashville side. Not everyone. I mean, some of those guys aren't going to make their roster. But certainly that top line was the best line on the ice last night. And they combined immense talent with high urgency. And I think one reason why the game unfolded the way that it did was the Predators were just playing at a higher level. And and a lot of that, I think, was between the ears. Now you can say, is it all that important for Ryan McDonough after winning back-to-back Stanley Cups to, to play as if it's an elimination game in the playoffs? Uh, of course not. And I think this is going to be a topic that we should explore, Greg, because the reality is that finding an urgency level for the Lightning – it, it could be a challenge in the preseason and maybe even at the start of the regular season. I hope it's not. I mean, I hope that that's not really going to be something that we're, we're talking about. I think that's the reality of this situation, though. They are not a team. Like last year, they were hungry for sure to win back-to-back cups, and this year they're hungry to, to become beyond special, to become generational, to win three cups in a row for the first time in almost 40 years would be an amazing accomplishment. So they are certainly motivated. But what are they going to look like in preseason game four? You know, <laughs> like what's that urgency level gonna gonna be at? And if it's not at the level of their opponent's urgency level, we could see the ice tilted. So I think there was there was definitely a lot of that last night. It's a good point. But the last thing I'll I'll say is yeah, like that that is really tied to the regulars. Like, I'm not surprised. I mean, maybe I'm a little disappointed. You would have liked to have seen a higher urgency. But, like, given the given the circumstance, like Stamkos, Chernak, McDonough, Kalorn, they're just like, I just need to get this game in to kind of make sure that, that I'm ready to go for, for game one of the regular season. I think Coop even referenced that kind of as a throwaway line in his post game. But what he definitely pointed out and what Steve played which was really his money quote if you will post game was like not bringing a high urgency or not finding that urgency level for the guys who are battling for roster spots definitely stood out to him because he went out of his way to mention that for him to say nothing whatever the quote was I'm gonna I have it in front of me here so We've seen signs in these first two games and some potential and then nothing. That's about as frank as John Cooper is going to get when he's talking about a specific group of players. And so we did point out after the Carolina game on Tuesday, and we mentioned these guys, so I'll mention them again. Radish, Kachuk, Bari Boulay, and Ryfors all did well enough to push the conversation to the next game. I don't think any of those players distinguished themselves last night. 
it's hard to really think of anyone on the roster that did for the Lightning, but they are not going to be held. They are held at a different standard than Stamkos and McDonough. You know what I'm saying? Like, they are battling for a roster spot. That's why Coop is saying, you know, someone's got to walk through the door, however he put it. And, and I think that we did not see that last night up and down the roster. Yeah, and, you know, listen, and you weren't saying this. I'm just it's, I'm stating the obvious here. John Cooper is not – it's not like him to call out his regulars. So he, he wasn't going to say anything in a negative way when it came to the star players – the NHL regulars that were addressed yesterday, he can come out forcefully and and say what he wants with some of these younger guys who have done nothing at the NHL level. And I will say this. I think behind every great team, particularly during the cap era, but let's say over the last handful of years, yes, the stars have led the way. But Dave, in a situation where the Lightning are trying to do a three-peat, I think it's important to bring in veteran players who are hungry to win again or have never won, and also an infusion of youth that can help you through the dog days of hockey to keep a level of play that allows you to be somewhat sharp in an 82-game season. Let me reiterate that. There are going to be some games where the Lightning just don't look very good this year. It's going to happen to every team. And you and I have talked about this, and you know we're asking the question, you know what what is going to be the compete level of this Lightning team this year? Not it's not a negative standpoint. It's you know are they going to kind of go through the motions because this team has been so good the last two years? What does the regular season really mean for them? Does it mean just getting into the playoffs? Because we've seen this team flip a switch when it counts the most, and play really well. I, I don't know. We'll find out. I think there are enough changes on this team where they want to find a little... I think they want to find their identity sooner because of the missing pieces on that third line and some newer pieces coming in. But I think behind every great team, Dave, you do have that internal competition where there are a few roster spots that are given to some players who weren't with you the previous year. And a lot of times those players, and whether they're young players or whether, like I said before, a veteran who's coming in who's never won that's hungry to do it again, maybe that can elevate your play or pick your team up when you need them during a rough patch in the regular season. And that allows you, I think, to stay sharp while at the same time giving those players an opportunity to perform and showcase their skill set with the same intensity you're expecting game in and game out. So it's very important, in my opinion, to see some of these younger players. I want to see them bring energy every night. That's one thing you can control. And Dave, we didn't see that last night. And so no, out of all didn't. of so out of everything you may critique through the first two games, but particularly last night when it comes to the players that we have mentioned, you're not going to score every night. Nikita Kucherov doesn't, although it seems like he does. Same with Braden points, and you know Vasilevsky's not going to get a win every single time in net. One thing you can control, though, is effort and impact in terms of being physical, creating a forecheck, doing those things that people can feed off of your energy in a game. We didn't see that last night. It's not because maybe the guys didn't want to. For, for whatever reason, David, it, it, it wasn't there. Well, there was another team on the ice too, and that's fair. Nashville played well, and they Nashville some... Nashville played like a team that was dialed in, and their first line was fantastic. Yeah, and we should not minimize that. And you're right because a lot of times you and I will be breaking down a game, and we'll we'll have to reference say, Look, there was another team out there; it was pretty good. So that point taken. But I think the guys we had mentioned, you want to see more urgency. I don't want to see you score all the time. I need to see you be playing like your pants are on fire. And, and, that's, and, and that's like you started the show saying the result is is not earth-shattering that they're going to, and I agree with you on that. But the way they look, particularly in last night's game, yes. and they didn't, they didn't like knock the doors off Carolina on Tuesday. Right. They did better in the second and the third in that game. And I think there were more positive signs from some of these younger guys in that game 
than in the one last night. But that's the point that if we're going to hone in on something that would be in the concerning category, yeah. it would be that. No doubt. But I think we also have to accept the reality of the situation, which is, I guess part of me would be a little surprised if the Lightning played with incredibly high urgency in the preseason. The regulars. Based on what's happened the last couple of years. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe I maybe I should expect that, you know, every time you put on Phil would say that. Every time you go out and play, you you play like your pants are on fire, which is the way you said. And I just don't think that's I, I don't think let's put it this way. I think Phil is right in theory. I don't think realistically in the preseason with this team and with any team looking to three peat. Right. That should be the expectation. And let's see how the team when when they whittle down to close to the actual team, which is going to be in week two. Let's see how they look in the last two against you know, Florida. What's interesting is the one position though, Dave, where you can see somebody wanting to be sharp game in and game out, because really you have to, because you don't want to be embarrassed, is the goaltending. I thought Elliot was a little off last night. Now some of that again, where are those high danger chances? Yeah. Who's shooting the puck? I mean, some of them he had no chance. But Ang, Brian Engblom and, and Chief had mentioned this, too. He felt like maybe he was a little off. That's that's going to happen. I'm not too alarmed. But the one guy who can be sharp, and the one guy, let's put it this way, I would expect Dave to have a very good preseason just because of his abilities and just the nature of the goaltender position. You're the last line of defense. The last thing you want to do is give up five goals. And I will say this. I do not think, however many games Vassy gets, his teammates – are going to hang him out to dry. In other words, I mean, you, you, you see in these preseason games, you know, yeah. it, it can get a little ridiculous. I think there's, not that there's not respect with the other goaltenders, but you're talking about the greatest guy in the world, and you also know you don't have him playing at a high level, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup. I expect, and maybe this is too much for me to lay on Vassy, but I'll go there because you know how I feel about him. I felt like he was an MVP candidate last year. I think he's going to, he's going to be really good. I, I think that's the one position where you can expect a level of greatness compared to, you know, what are you going to get from Kucherov, Stamkos, Points, Hedman in the preseason consistently? They, they'll show flashes. That's just, and I'm, I'm not faulting them because I'm not going to judge them off of the preseason games. As we said before, I think this is more with the younger players and the energy that they're providing. And are they, like Julian Brisewa said on Media Day, uh, Dave, a lot of AHL players can come up and play one game in the National Hockey League. We're looking for some guys who can come up and make an impact relative to the position they're playing and the role that they have. And I think that's what we want to see from here on out. And I don't know how many more games those guys have, Dave, to be honest with you. I mean, if you had a ballpark figure, I mean, they're probably going to make some some more cuts. Would you probably say I after think, the weekend? I think there's going to be a large round of cuts after the Saturday game. The team is flying directly from Nashville to Orlando yeah, because they play the Panthers in Orlando on Tuesday. And I think at that point, there'll be a big group heading to Syracuse for the Syracuse Crunch training camp. And look, these four guys that we've mentioned quite a bit, I think if you're one of those four guys, you you want to be there in week two. If you don't make it to week two, that would be a really disappointing outcome. Dave, I, I for your expectations coming into, camp. I would agree. I would agree. I, I want to give you a guy in our next segment who I think is a dark horse to make the team because everything we have said about the younger players and what they didn't do yesterday, I think he does it well. And I think he gives you a little bit more face-off security. I, I want to touch on this player, and I, I'm curious what you think when we return. We also have some questions coming in. Some some of our favorite uh, listeners are chiming in on what they saw last night, and they have some comments, and I want to get into that as well. At Bolts Radio, or you can hit Dave and I, on Twitter personally, at Greg Linnelli, at Dave Mishkin, and uh, we will take those when we return. It is Power Lunch, back after this on Lightning Power Play. When you attend Lightning Games at Amelie Arena, be sure to bring your Bluetooth headphones to listen to the Lightning Radio Call with Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito. Fire score! Kucherov! 
huge goal! Log on to the Amelie Arena free Wi-Fi and you can stream the broadcast through the NHL app with no latency. Enhance your Bolts viewing experience with Dave and Phil on the call right in your seats. Sam Ozzelowski! A miraculous stop! For more info, go to TampaBayLightning.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. You know, we get so consumed with the Lightning, and I rightfully so. Dave, what a mess going on in Buffalo, huh? Jack Eichel. Uh, I just I, I keep, you know, reading it. Elliot Freeman, Jeff Merrick, they, they've been doing a, a show on just what's happening with him and the team wanting him to do one surgery, he wants to do another. But the reality is, I think they're past the point now where he's going to even be able to play this year. Well, look, we're talking on the hockey side of things, and I was chatting about the Eichel situation with Brian Engblom, who had to retire because of a neck issue. I mean, he can speak to his situation better than I can, but he's, you know, a lot has changed since the mid-80s when he had his condition. His condition is not the same as, as Eichel's, but it's an interesting question to think about because Eichel has this condition. There's no dispute about the condition. The dispute is about the treatment. So the team wants him to go a more conventional route and Eichel wants to try something that is relatively newer. And I think that the newer treatment, if I am understanding it correctly, the newer treatment would be potentially better long-term in terms of quality of life. I mean, I'm probably not stating exactly correctly, but like this is what Eichel wants to do, whether it's because he feels it'll be better for him to, to play hockey sooner or just have fewer issues down the road. The team wants him to take what to this point has been a more conventional approach. And so they're having a dispute about this. And what's interesting is the league like the verbiage within the league rules, the bylaws, all the power goes to the team, which is interesting to think about because I kind of, I kind of side with Eichel here. I mean, look, what do I know? Right. But if I am talking about like my body, right, we, we hear that a lot, but you know, like it's a medical decision that will affect not only my professional career, but also my my quality of life. I hate to use the quality of life because this other procedure clearly has been in effect for a while and, and, and people have had it. But I kind of feel like this should be Eichel's call. I don't know what you think about it, but... I think it should be the player's call in any situation. <laughs> Yeah. So you know where I'm going with that, but well, I um, I know, but I mean, but I, I agree with you. Like so, but but Jack Eichel from let's get from the hockey perspective here. He's done this year. He's is that done. confirmed? No, he's I, definitely that's, not I mean, going to be able to that's play. That's just me because whatever type of surgery he has, I I, I feel like you're you're talking about the neck, right? Yeah. That's a that's a pretty big surgery, and there's got to be some rehab. The, the guys on on that Thirty Two Thoughts podcast were saying, you know, this probably should have been done in the summer. Right. Now they're waiting to the fall. Now, did they? Now I haven't heard that. Did they break down what I just did? Like, did I get it? Kind of. No, you got it right. Right. I mean, okay. there, there's just there's there there's a disagreement in terms of what type. I guess the one he wants is maybe a fusion, kind of fusing. I don't want to get, I'm not a doctor, I only play one on, right. on radio, but you understand where I'm coming from. Like, you and, hear about a fusion, you think, uh-oh. Like, Ryan Callahan, I think, yeah. had some issues, and he, he had to retire, basically. He so did. this fusion must must ensure that he is still able to play. Like, he's not going to put himself in danger Elliot's, as a result of this procedure Elliot's, if he continued to play. Elliot's point, yes, you're right. Elliot's point was he thinks the league needs to step in. Because their point was, look, this wasn't a guy who got hurt playing basketball in the offseason. He got hit playing hockey. And it's a legitimate injury. But he thinks this is getting so out of control that the league is going to have to step in and, and maybe make a decision. Now, I think that's dangerous territory because I'm siding with you. I mean, I, I think Jack Eichel knows his body better than anybody. 
and my point is too, Buffalo, they're no longer the team he wants to play for. I mean, I I know that's kind of a harsh reality, but they want to trade him. So my thing is, how about work together? If the player wants a surgery and he's going to feel comfortable doing that, get the surgery. Hopefully he's 100% once that does happen. And then you can maybe trade him and get what you want in return. Now, the other interesting scenario with this is Elliot has not been able to confirm if other teams who are interested in acquiring him have been able to look at his medical records. So, right. You know, if you want to trade for a guy, you you want to say, "Okay, well, what exactly is going on here?" He's well, not some sure. of this some of this too, like let's say everything was shared. Yeah. And 32 medical staffs every medical staff in the league was in agreement that this other surgery the one that he doesn't want yeah is the best option then maybe that changes my my feeling about it a little bit like how how new is this procedure that eichel wants why is it that 32 medical staffs are in lockstep that for a hockey player the other path is the is the better one to take so I and again I just don't know. I don't know what what the the cost benefit analysis is between one procedure and the other. I guess what I just come back to is like we're not just talking about Jack Eichel playing this year if you're Jack Eichel. We're not talking about Jack Eichel playing whatever the length of his playing career would be, let's say 10 years. Okay? If if he's able to play 10 more years, we're talking about the rest of his life. Yes. And that's why I kind of come back to like he should he should have the flexibility to be able to make a choice that that he wants that and he that's, is comfortable with. I mean, regardless of what he chooses to do, Dave, that's a nasty situation. And for a guy who is considered a franchise player, you know, we talk. Let's let's circle back to the Lightning real quick. I mean, when you're a well-run organization. And the Lightning are in this sweet spot. It's the golden age of Tampa Bay Lightning hockey. You just don't see this. You know, maybe Jonathan Druin yeah. with a little lesser little lesser extent, although we find out maybe he had some some things he was working through, and maybe that reared its ugly head when he was here in Tampa Bay. It sounds like he's back on track. He's in a better state emotionally. Good for him. Yeah. I hope he does well. But you, you understand what I'm saying. Like, uh, that's unfathomable to think – that would happen right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But in Buffalo, when it rains, it pours. And that organization... In a way, Greg, I mean, it's almost like the medical advances have accelerated so much that Eichel's injury and this decision about the procedure has come at a point in which the established procedure and the new procedure have converged. Yeah, right. Like, if he got hurt five years from now... Maybe this new procedure would be more established. You're right. You're right. And if it was five years ago, this new procedure maybe didn't exist. But think about it. You're right. Think about it if you're Eichel. And for the team, too, but but specifically Eichel. You're in the prime of your career, Dave. You want to play. The only thing that's really preventing you is figuring out what surgery you want to get. And you're not being able to make that own decision because the team you're playing for, who, by the way, doesn't want you, is saying, no, we want you to do this. I mean, how frustrating right. would that be? That to me, like, It would I'm, be I'm, very frustrating. Yeah, I'm looking at it because you want to play. Like, the, the players want to play, whether it's to win cups, whether it's for personal stats, whether it's to make a lot of money. And Eichel has done two of those three. He hasn't won, but he's made a lot of money. He's, uh, he's piled up some stats. Do. And it's yeah, what and that, like, what, what are you going to do at age 24 or 25? This is, you only have so many years, Dave, yeah. to play in the National Hockey League. And I feel like this year, you're wasting that year because you and the organization can't figure out what surgery. It's not that you need surgery. It's what surgery. And boy, is that frustrating because it feels like you don't have control of the situation. And I'm just putting myself in his shoes. I don't know. Because you don't want to give in and say, all right, you know what? I'm going to get the surgery you want me to get. Right. Well, I mean, it's on your neck. You want to – you probably have a big – a little more say in, let's say, if you tore your ACL. You know, <laughs> ACL, yeah. MCL, you know what you're going to do. Neck, eh. 
and 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 in the the spirit of of fairness i guess or, or trying to look at things from all sides like there must be a reason why the sabers are so dug in about the procedure they want him to have medically yeah, i mean right. beyond the fact you're that right. you're like they don't want him they they want to be able to trade him maybe they don't want to trade him like be, beyond all of that well now you just their the medical people are are looking at this and saying this is what we believe just as strongly as eichel feels what he believes is is the proper course of action. Well, and here's the other thing, too, and this will be the last point I make on this because I want to get into the player that I Yeah, we are certainly they... not doctors, well, that's so right. we're talking a little bit out of our But, I mean, I think, I think it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, look, we're going to see Buffalo this year. Jack Eichel is a big star in this, in this league. It's going on. You and I cover things beyond the Lightning, and especially during preseason game number two. Look, you can only talk about the four young prospects so much before you, you, know, you really want to see what they're going to do and make a, a proper evaluation. The last thing on that, you know, at some point they're gonna. If he's on that roster, they're gonna have to pay him. And 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 they were discussing. You know, okay, so what is if he can't play and you put him on IR, or if he's not playing because of a, a medical issue that you can't agree yeah. on? At some point, does he owe another year to the Buffalo Sabers because he well, didn't they play may, this year? Look, assuming at some point he plays again and he's due another contract, and we're still kind of in the weeds of. of how is this going to affect him? He's had the procedure, whatever procedure it is, and he's getting he's getting back ready to play, and he's due a contract. And I confess I'm not certain exactly what his contract status is. But it may be a situation where he gets a relatively low base salary, but a lot yeah. of incentives could for be. games played. Not incentives, but, you know, like if he hits, if he hits thresholds of games played, yeah. you know, the salary goes up. To protect the team, which, you know, that I understand. Like, that makes sense. No doubt. No doubt. So, an interesting scenario. Jack Eichel, keep an eye on that. And uh, we certainly will be following that story uh, throughout, I think, his cap hit this year is $10 million. How many years does he have left on his deal? Let's see here. I think he signed through 2025-26. And he's All got right. a no So, he's got a few more years. So, I mean, yeah. that contract is what it is. It ain't going away, as right. they say. And I hate using the word ain't, but you know what? That's what we do right here. All right, so... So disregard what I said earlier. There's no new right. contract with some kind of games played threshold yeah. in there. That's the contract for the foreseeable yeah. future. It is. It is. You know, Dave, I, I think we've focused a lot, and I know fans have, on some of the young prospects coming up who may have a roster spot or two to take. But one thing you've brought up and we have discussed on this show are some of the veterans who are bubble players that have also been in this camp that maybe people aren't talking enough about. And are they serious contenders to start the season in Tampa Bay? Now, some of it could be salary. Some of it could be position as to why maybe they don't start the year with Tampa Bay, but I'm wondering if we need to pay attention, maybe a little bit more attention, Dave, on some of these veterans who aren't necessarily NHL regulars, but have enough NHL experience that if the four players that we have talked about, prospects, do not separate themselves enough, do you think, and I'm asking you, I don't know what John Cooper's going to do, but would you be inclined to sit there and say, you know what? It's a little disappointing those guys didn't separate themselves. But, for instance, a guy who I want to bring up in this particular segment, uh, amongst others, who I who I kind of teased, is a Gabriel Dumont, somebody you would look at and say, you know what, guy has over 100-some games in the NHL. He's got a history with us. He's really good on face-offs. Plays with an edge. I know his ceiling isn't high as Taylor Radish or Alex Barry Boulez, or Boris Kachuk's. But you know what? I know what his floor is, and I kind of like him. And that doesn't mean those four guys won't get to the NHL at some point this year. But to start, you know, we talked about Jamel Smith, and I don't know where he is injury-wise. I think that probably hurt his chances of, of starting the year with the Lightning. But we mentioned Houdon, Dumont, 
maybe another guy here and there. But I'm curious what your thought is with that next wave of players that aren't prospects, that have NHL experience. Are they, do you think, Dave, being given a hard consideration to make the team? Or do you feel like probably when push comes to shove, most likely they start in Syracuse assuming they, they stay with the Lightning? I think the preseason games are going to answer those questions. Yeah. So, and that's good. I'm not sure that anyone really distinguished themselves last night on the Lightning side during flow of play. And the other thing, too, the Lightning went one for seven on the power play, including a full uh, two minute five on three in minutes. which they did not score and had only one shot on net. So, I mean, there was a lot to look at last night that, that was not to the typical standard the Lightning want, whether they had only a handful of regulars in or not. But one thing they did do well last night was face-offs, which that was a question we got after the Carolina game, if you recall from Bob, concerned about face-offs. So they put in a few different guys. Stamkos had a good night in the dot, and Dumont went 10-1. and one. So I'm looking at, at Dumont's NHL career. Like He had a really good night in the dot last night. His longest stretch in the NHL in terms of games played was with the Lightning. In the 16-17 season, he played 39 games, had two goals and two assists for four points. I don't recall that year that he was up around like high 50s, low 60s in terms of his faceoff. Well, that percentage. was the year that Lightning didn't make the playoffs, correct? Right, and and you know they had a lot well, of injuries, which would explain why he played almost half a season. But Dave, the before- next year... He was with the Lightning. That yeah. was the whole waiver situation. He was with the Lightning. Steve Eiserman tried to send him to Syracuse. Ottawa claimed him. Yes. And Eiserman didn't like that because there was an Ottawa player who was sent yeah. down. The Lightning claimed him. And then Ottawa claimed him back when the Lightning tried to send him to the minors, which is exactly what happened to Dumont. Dumont played 23 games with the Senators. They tried to send him down. The Lightning claimed him back and put him in Syracuse, and he finished that year in Syracuse. And then he was in Syracuse again in the 18-19 season before he he moved on to the Minnesota organization. So there was a little bit of, of the waiver situation with Dumont. But his year where he played the 39 games, like he was he was effective. I, I've always liked him as a depth guy, kind of the same way we feel about Jamel Smith, who has not had as many games as Dumont with the Lightning. I mean, Jamel Smith has, has had time in the NHL. So I think when you talk about Dumont, he, he did he did certainly open some eyes in the circle last night going 10-1. and one. And then you also have in that mix, Houdon, Jamel Smith, who's currently hurt, and Remy Ellie. To me, those are the four guys yeah, who yeah. are forwards with more than a cup of coffee worth of experience in the NHL, but guys who have spent the majority of their time in the AHL. And could one or two of those guys elevate past the quote-unquote prospect group? Possibly. But I think the preseason games will answer some of that. Now, the, the lineup tonight is way different. Because Cole Kepke and Jack Thompson are the only two players who played in last night's game who were in tonight's game. And then, of course, we have tomorrow's game in Nashville. So we, we'll learn more, I think, from the Saturday lineup about who needs to play well to avoid that first wave of cuts, right? <laughs> but right. I don't think that we were going to be seeing a lot of the players who played last night playing tonight. So those four guys that we mentioned, plus Dumont, plus Houdon, like they are, they are not playing. Ellie is back in, I believe. I'm gonna check the lineup. No, he is not. So Ellie is not in tonight. We're seeing some other young players like Jaden yeah. Durow. We're seeing Max Chaikovic. We're seeing Gabriel Fortier, former second round pick. That's his first game in the preseason. And Gage Gonzalez as well. So those are some of the guys who are getting in tonight. Alex Green on defense. Otto Sampi is another one. So Sampi is interesting because he's had some pro experience, but he was not really kind of mentioned in this group of knocking on the door in the NHL, although Sampi did finish third behind Kachuk and Radish in scoring last year in Syracuse. Yeah, right. So, 
And then the veterans, you got Perry and Maroon. You got the point line. That'll be Belmar. Yeah. Belmar is in tonight. Belmar would be fun to watch. Yeah, Hedman's in tonight. And when I say so, fun to watch, it's going to be just, you know, see him on the ice and how he handles his business to get a, a pretty decent scouting report on the way he plays. The, the only reason why I brought up Dumont, I remember in that 16-17 season, Dave, when they were trying to make the playoffs and they had so many injuries. I, I remember very distinctly late in games when the Lightning were trying to preserve a lead. John Cooper was throwing Gabriel Dumont out there to take right. face-offs. And You're right I, about it that. Always, it always kind of just stuck with me that that's a lot of confidence that Cooper had at the time with a player like that. And look, I, I, folks, I, I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying here. I, I don't think Dumont is going to be anything more than a role player in the National Hockey League. I, I acknowledge that. He's never really scored at the NHL level. I, I think... He's limited, but I think he does a couple of things really well that the Lightning wants in their role players, and that is win faceoffs and play with speed and be chippy. He was at 55% that yeah. year. I just looked it up, I which, think is, he, which is quite good. Yeah, I think, I think there's value there. Now, in a perfect world, would they want him playing in Syracuse and maybe showing some of the younger guys the ropes a bit? Yeah. But we don't live in a perfect world. And if we're not seeing enough separation from some of those bigger-name prospects, I'm wondering if John Cooper looks at this. You know, you and I have talked about this. One of the great things about the Lightning organization is I think they reward players regardless of where their standing is in the organization. I mean, if you're playing well, I think you're going to get a look. And I'm just wondering how seriously Dumont's chances are of making this team. And it's predicated on, I think, him playing well, but probably more so, Dave, where are those younger guys yeah. in the next two games? Yeah, if you put a gun to my head, Greg, I would say the job is there for the younger guys to grab. Yes. But if nobody grabs it, you can always fall back on someone that you know is established as somebody that can be responsible at the NHL level. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. At Bolts Radio, hit us up on Twitter. We've got some questions coming in. Let's go to those. Al says, I don't think anyone has stepped up to the challenge of making the team. Radish, Barry Boulay, Kachuk, likely the front runners only because of past performances. Impressed with Dumont in the faceoff circle. Well, we are too. I think it's it's incumbent upon us to say that yes, I, I think they would like the younger guys to make the team. All things considered, I think there's a higher ceiling with some of those guys than the veterans who are kind of bubble players and I, you know i think it's you know when you draft and develop guys i think you like to promote them i think that speaks yeah. well to your organization but it also is a performance-based league and you know I, I think sports dave is still the one area in our world today where it is a meritocracy <laughs> i mean you're not you're not gonna play somebody because you like them as a person you want to win. There's a lot riding on organizations winning games, and you take you take the best player regardless of where they're from, where they were drafted, and what they do. And I think that's the case, and we'll see how it plays out. Bob says, not impressive effort last night with the exception of few. Said, Sorelli looks beefed up. DeMont good, five-on-three power play awful. Elliot disappointing, felt three goals were soft, but realized this is training camp and still 11 days to go. No panic here. I like the finish of that. No panic here. That was probably the biggest thing we took from that. We, he, <laughs> yes. uh, Bob was asking me if, if he thought Sorelli looked beefed up. I, I have no idea. Do you, does he look bigger to you? Well, he did media yeah. one day, and, I mean, he's a wiry guy, but yeah. he's, what's the word, sinewy? Like, he's yeah. he's narrow but muscular i mean yeah. he's always been that way and he's been really an effective puck battle winner throughout his career both at the nhl level and you know earlier in his career both in the american hockey league and junior hockey right so he plays a heavy game i mean he plays a strong game but i don't know i can't say for sure if, if he's quote-unquote beefed up Trying to look and at nice shot on the goal. He did well. You know, look, that was a positive because I thought Stamkos that was an excellent pass. 
just a beautiful cross-ice bass. And Sorelli, you know, Dave, we, when we talk about guys coming back, and I think we mentioned this the other day, Sorelli's one of those players that I, I think we all feel like there's another level there with his scoring. And I think you might have asked Phil during uh, the start of the second period, maybe it was after the game, just for a player like Sorelli to see that puck go in the net. Yeah, it was right after the goal, actually. Yeah. I was wondering, because he went yeah, through that long slump last year. Right. Is that a big deal? And um, I think it is. I think any time, especially, you know, like if you're a shooter in basketball and you're struggling, even if you get to the free throw line, you see that ball go through the hoop, That it, it does something to you mentally. And I think when you're a shooter, you know, Yanni Gord went through that. What was it last year, yeah. a couple years ago, where he struggled to score? And then, you know, the Pittsburgh game, I think it was an overtime goal. And, you know, I think it kind of settles you down. It reinforces, you know, your your belief in yourself. And I think that's something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, the goaltending is going to be interesting tonight, Dave, because uh, not only for Carolina, but for Tampa Bay. Uh, well, Auntie Ranta is expected to play the whole game because Carolina only has four preseason games. Yes. It sounds like they're going to have Anderson and Ranta each get two full games because those yeah. are their top two goalies. And then you got like Alex Lyon, who's who's been up and down between the NHL and AHL, I yep. guess is their third goalie. But it doesn't it doesn't sound like based on what I heard from the Carolina folks that that anyone other than those two guys is going to see action. Right. And then on the Lightning side, like Vasilevsky is not dressing tonight. So Vasilevsky is not yet put on his uniform for any of these preseason games. So I don't know if he's going to be going to Nashville to, to play part of that game, or they're just going to hold him until until for the, the second games? week. But let's remember, as it relates to Vassy, Greg, and I know you want to talk about the guys in tonight for the Lightning, so I'll just say this, and then, and then you can have the floor. Last year, Vasilevsky, like all of the Lightning players, did not have a preseason game. There were no preseason yeah, games last year, and he was just fine starting the year, seeing pucks in practice and scrimmages and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, how many games does he really need in the preseason? Well, I'm sure I, they've talked to him about it, but. I mean, he wants to play. I mean, if you ask him, he probably wants to play every one. I, I understand mean, does, that. Does Vassy need, does he need more than two? Yeah. I you mean, know? we'll I find mean, out. Not. Yeah, probably not. And um, I do think, I do think. We touched on this. What is his workload going to be? Not because he's played a lot of hockey the last two years. If you want to factor that in, that's fine. I do think it's a bigger story than people are giving credit for in the fact that how many of these guys are going to the Olympics and how much rest will they get? And let's face it, out of all the players you want rested and ready to go, I think you want it to be Vassy because he is the linchpin to this team three-peating. I mean, we can talk about Kucherov and points and Hedman and how great they are, and they are. Yeah, you're not winning anything without Vassy in nets. And when I say anything, I'm talking about winning the Stanley Cup. And I do think it's going to be interesting to see how well he plays. What's his workload? And look, some of that's going to be contingent upon Dave. Where's Brian Elliott? Mm -hmm. You know, if he's playing well, are you more inclined to say, all right, you know what? Got the Olympics coming up. Let's see if we can maybe give Elliott a few more starts and rest. Right. I think they have a plan. They understand it. I don't think people realize, though, when that 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 situation I think is a little bit bigger than just saying, you know, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Well, so Elliot will, will see more action. I think it's going to be more than half a game as, as the preseason progresses. But one yeah. guy who did play the whole game on Tuesday, who is back in the lineup tonight, not sure the goalie rotation is legacy. Yeah. He looked good. And legacy did play well he did. on Tuesday. He did. And then, of course, the youngster, right? Anafelt. Yeah. He's going to be uh, – they're high on him, aren't they, Dave? I mean, I, I haven't really seen him play outside of just highlights. They like him a lot. Yes. Um, well, so he played in the Swedish Hockey League last year, and he happened to be on the worst team in the league. So I think you have to look at his numbers with a little bit of a grain of, grain salt. of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a phenomenal World Junior championship performance in 2020 they also had the world junior championships last year 2021 even though a lot of leagues didn't play but they put on that tournament and by all accounts Aldefeld did not have as good of a tournament the second year 
The first year, though, he was terrific. And Sweden actually went undefeated into the semifinal. So you play a round robin at the beginning of the tournament. It's kind of like the Olympics in that in that regard. You play a round robin, and then you get to the elimination round. And so Sweden was undefeated, and Alnafel was playing lights out, and they got to the semifinals, and they lost mm-hmm. to Russia. And interestingly, the guy who they, – they actually replaced the Russian goalie because Sweden jumped out to a big lead, and Russia rallied, ended up winning. The guy who they brought in for Russia was Miftikov. So those two guys played against each other in that semifinal in 2020. Yeah. And then Miftikov played for Russia in the gold medal game, which Canada won. Correct. Interesting. All the way around. So, like, you th- like the scouts are all at the World Juniors, right? I mean, it's not like they, they went there to see Alnafelt only. <laughs> but they had drafted Alnafelt at that point, the Lightning. But I'm talking about the 2020 World Juniors. They saw Miftikov, who at that point was 20. So he had been he had been draft eligible and had not been picked. Yeah. And then that summer the Lightning took him. Beautiful. See one guy and then you see another one and that tournament that tournament goes a long way to helping or hurting someone's draft status. Yeah. It's kind of like standardized testing, right? (laughs) My kids are in high school now, so I'm starting to think about that stuff. Standardized testing, yeah. Your body of work is important. Like, your grades are important. How you do with your team, your season, your stats. But then you have these these signature moments, right? Like, you go to these international tournaments, and if you can really make an impact there, you're going to open some eyes. Man standardized testing thank god there were just other things to do to get your grades up because i i I know well you know and and i'm just learning this during the pandemic a lot of schools waived it and and some people are wondering like when the world kind of fully gets back to normal are the schools gonna keep waiving it yeah that'd be interesting some schools didn't but that would have been good for you yeah a lot of things would have been good for me dave (laughs) you know what i mean you know what i'm saying Anyway, we got off topic. So That's All right. in the Felt and Legacy are dressing tonight, and we'll yeah. see if the Lightning go with a split again like they did last night or if one guy gets the whole game. I have to believe All in the Felt is going to see at least half the game. You would think so. You would think. Because how many more opportunities is he going to get? You know, and I right. think you want to see him at least in, in a game. And how many goalies will the Lightning keep when they head to Orlando? Yeah, fair point. Now, Orlando is the Lightning's ECHL affiliate, and you can count the number of goalies, and not all of them are going to end up with the Lightning or with Syracuse. That's true. So it's possible that who they have slated for Orlando might actually stay with the team while they're in Orlando. It's <laughs> a good idea. And then, and that, then that player will, yeah. will stay in Orlando once the Lightning play that game after Tuesday. Stay tuned. Yeah. We'll be down there tonight, Lightning Canes, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock, the puck drops, and uh, we invite you to listen right here on Lightning Power Play. Partner, great job. I'll talk to you in a few hours. All right. See you in a few. He's Dave Mishkin. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to you for listening. I am Greg Linelli. We'll have the pregame starting at 6.30, and then Dave and I will be back in the saddle on Monday with our show, Noon to One, and you can listen to all of this Lightning coverage right here on Lightning Power Play.